Welcome to This Week in Legal Blogging, in which we talk with leading bloggers from across the legal industry. My name is Bob Ambrogi. I am the uh, I, I have my own blog, which is called Law Sites, and I have a podcast called Law Next. And this program is presented by Lexblog, providing lawyers with turnkey digital publishing solutions and strategic consulting for 16 years. Uh, a reminder that uh, you can find all of the past episodes of this program at youtube.com slash lexblog. And we're about to start putting it out in a podcast form as well. Uh, watch for it uh, on whatever podcast platform you prefer to use. Uh, I am very happy to uh, present uh, as my guest today, someone sort of new to blogging, uh, only been doing it since 2007. Uh, <laughs> uh, Dan Schwartz uh, of the Connecticut Employment Law Blog. Dan, how are you? I'm well, Bob. Uh, nice to see you. Good to see you. Um, I think you're, uh, you know, it's funny how many people I, I, I've talked to on the show who who I probably got to know originally because of, because of blogging. And you're, you're one of those people. We've, we've known each other for quite a while now. A bit of time. Yeah, I mean, and and I recall uh, actually inviting you back in 2010 to a um, a symposium I was in charge of for the Connecticut Bar Foundation on uh, law and tech, you know, the future of the law and technology. Uh, and uh, hard to believe that's that's 10 years ago. And here here we are doing virtual talks. The blogs are still going, and uh, you know, it's it continues to be a brave new world out there. And we're still trying to figure out the future of law and technology at the same time. We are. Years later. We haven't we haven't made it too far in that regard, frankly. Um, anyway, uh, you know, I um, just uh, given uh, given this crazy world we're in, I do like to start by just asking how you're doing and how's it been going for you? You know, I, I think if you had told me six months ago, I'd still be uh, in a uh, in my home office and uh, uh you know, uh, I haven't driven my, my family crazy and uh, my practice would be busier than ever. I would have taken that. Uh, and, and that's where, where we are. I mean, I, I, you know, my practice has been, um, very, very busy, um, and balancing that balancing all the safety requirements that you want to take for you and your family, uh, and other obligations, uh, you know, I, I think all things considered, I'm very, very blessed. A little tired, I will <laughs> say, particularly after staying up last night for a Yankees game. But uh, um, I, I think that's probably the the one constant, which is uh, it, it's been a uh, it, it feels like a tsunami at times with new developments in employment law and constant change, uh, and yet. You know, that's what we all signed up for, right? We we, yeah. we signed up to, to to keep going to be the trusted advisor. So, like I said, all things considered, um, doing doing just fine. Yeah. What what kind of employers are having the most questions? Is it the bigger employees or smaller employers? Does it does, is there any difference? No, there there isn't a difference. Um, I I have gotten calls from my largest clients, and the smallest. I think the the ones that are largest have a little bit more resources and may have dealt with some of these issues. At least you know not directly, obviously on a pandemic, but absences or furloughs or reductions in force. Um, what made this sort of different is everyone had every issue 
all at once. And so I certainly remember back in March and April, which was really the height of the pandemic here in Connecticut. We, you know, we, we were really the, the epicenter of, of things. And, uh, you know, my colleagues and I would just day by day, you know, all right, who can return this call? And um, it, it was, you know, from 7.30 in the morning till nine at night uh, on that. Yeah, and I never even mentioned the name of your firm, but you're a partner in the law firm of Shipman and Goodwin uh, there in Connecticut. Uh, and I probably should have mentioned that. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, my, my colleagues, I mean, it, it really has been a team effort. And I, I you know, I, I know through the blog, I get a lot of uh, notoriety, but the work that we do, there is no way we could have, and I could have done as much uh, for my practice and, and, and for clients without uh, the team that we have. And that, you know, that behind any good blogger, behind any good lawyer is a, a team behind it. Yeah. Uh, so describe for uh, the people watching or listening to this episode what uh, what you cover at Connecticut Employment Law Blog. So as you might imagine, I cover um, Idaho franchise law. <laughs> um, OK, so it's a stupid uh, question. I'll... <laughs> no. Hey, look, you know, it's funny. So when I first met Kevin back in 2007 at an ABA meeting and Kevin we ended up having that Lex blog. Kevin yeah. being the founder of Lexblog, this was at an ABA young lawyer meeting. I've told this story a few times before, and we ended up talking and, you know, you had different people um, who had different names of the blog. You had sort of like uh, Ernie the attorney uh, back then, and, and then you had... Um, I think uh, 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 Francis, uh, who had the Delaware uh, corporate blog, and so it was trying to find out, like, what should I name it? And Kevin said, you know, well, look, if you're, what's your target? What are you trying to accomplish? Uh, and I said, well, I really, you know, if I could be a, you know, a premier employment lawyer in Connecticut, that would be great. He said, well, you know, Connecticut employment law blog is pretty open. Uh <laughs> And so um, that's what I cover, and that's the name of the of the blog. And it is really designed to be new and noteworthy developments for employers in Connecticut. I've tried to maintain that mission uh, throughout, and you know, I, I think as time has gone on, I've even become a little more laser focused in terms of just really keeping the Connecticut focus. I think early on, I would touch on some national topics a little bit more, uh, but there's far too much traffic out there to try to keep up. And so I think as time has gone on, it, 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 it's become really, what is the information that would be useful uh, for employers in Connecticut? And if I can't answer that question, I really uh, try not to post that. Yeah, I mean, assume there has to be still quite a federal bent to it. I mean, it's hard to write about employment law without writing about federal law. Yeah, no, for sure. And, you know, but it is typically with an eye towards how is this going to impact employers in Connecticut? So, for example, there's a, a proposed regulation out there from the Trump administration to revise independent contractor rules. Well, that sounds great, except Connecticut has its own rules that are basically making the federal ones meaningless. But you would never get to know that if you're an employer in Connecticut, if you just read the headlines, right? And you're like, oh, you know, I'm going to follow the federal rules. So I think what I always try to provide is, is, okay, but what does that mean for 
Connecticut employers. Um, so you're right. Am I covering the federal side? Sure. But it's always with an eye towards the audience that I want to reach. Yeah. And that audience is is employers themselves. You're not trying to reach other lawyers who practice in this area or, or are you? No, I'm not really trying to, but um, it, it look, it, it has become a go-to resource. Um, right. um, anytime I'm at a bar event, inevitably there'll be an attorney who thanks me for something I've written. And, and that's been a, 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 an unintended consequence. I, I never really thought about that starting, uh, starting out. I um, more just want to build up my own profile, but um, that's been a huge, um, huge benefit uh, yeah. from that. And I, and I continue to hear from people who say, hey, I saw this on your blog or I heard from another attorney last week. Hey, have you heard anything on this topic? Because I figured you would know. Um, that is the highest compliment I've realized over time. Yeah. Uh, so back in 2007, when you were thinking about starting a blog or starting a blog and, and wanting to uh, you know, thinking someday you wanted to become the preeminent employment lawyer in Connecticut. Where were you at that point in your career? What were you doing at that point? So I was with a, an, another law firm um, that was very um, helpful to my my career. I'm, I'm indebted to them for even entertaining it. It was Epstein, Becker, and Green at the time. Um, and they now have, obviously, a, a lot of blogs, but they were sort of taking a chance. And so I came up with an idea that hey, um, this might be something I, I would be interested in. And the, and the reason in part is um, I had done journalism in college. Uh, I was an editor at the Daily Pennsylvania, uh, the University of Pennsylvania, award-winning newspaper. Uh, I would say, and I often joke that half the people there become lawyers and half become award-winning journalists. Um, you know, the the managing editor who I shared an office with is now the uh, managing editor of the Financial Times in the United States, like different things. And I always had this sort of dream uh, that I could be an op-ed columnist for the New York Times. Uh, you know, if I could make a career out of that at one point, like I was like, that would be good. I'd love to just write my opinion uh, and make a career out of it. And so starting the blog was sort of um, a first attempt at that. Uh, and, um, you know, that that's how the, the genesis happened then. Uh, I, I it, you know, obviously, I never thought 13 years from now I'd still be doing this. Yeah. Have, have you heard from the New York Times yet about that uh, op-ed job? Uh, no, <laughs> I have not heard from the New York Times. But but look, I've been contacted by the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal and Bloomberg and Employment Law 360. And, and you know, candidly, while I like to think of myself as a good employment lawyer, uh, I know the blog was a, a key part of that. There, there's no other means to increase a profile other than, you know, the very, very few attorneys that have the highest profile cases in the nation. Yeah. Um, the rest of us are, are fighting for airtime. Yeah. Uh, well, so what, how did the, the blog, you know, it, it, you raised your profile, you had calls from the media. How, how did it uh, play out in terms of what you wanted to do, the goals you had for your career? How did it uh, help or hurt with that? Well, you know, I, look, it it um, 
it increased my profile with my peers. That was, as I said, sort of an un unintended uh, consequence. But as a result, I got to meet a ton of people who I never would have thought about. Um, it also gave me a platform and a, a springboard to make introductions. One of the clients who, um, who I have now was an avid reader of the blog for a year and eventually had a lawsuit and reached out to me and said, hey, uh, I've been reading your blog and would you mind helping? I, I don't know where else to turn. Um, and, and it struck me that it, it went in line with something that one of my former mentors said, which is you want to be the lawyer that clients, when they have a need, they think of first. Um, you're, you know, you're never going to necessarily know when your clients are in trouble. I mean, there are a few, but, uh, you know, oftentimes clients may, may play things close to the vest and they have a variety of, of places they can turn to, right? They have lawyers bombarding them with mailings and other things all the time. I, I know when, uh, I've had a client, you know, gets a lawsuit filed against them and they'll hear about it from five or 10 other lawyers before they actually get served with the lawsuit itself. Mm -hmm. And so the only thing that sort of saves you from that is, are you the person that your, that your client or potential client is going to think about? And, and so that's what the blog has provided to me, which is people think about me because they've read something from me, they saw something from me. It doesn't get me the case. It doesn't, you know, land me the work, but it gets me in the door. Uh, and I, I say to people uh, as well, anyone who will listen after 13 years of, of a blog, if you think the blog is going to solve all your problems, that's the wrong way to think about it. But if you think that the blog is going to be a tool to help you solve some of those problems, that's the way to look at it. Gets you in the door, gets you some name recognition. What you do it from it from from there um, is is really key. Yeah, in a way, what you're saying maybe is that the the blog doesn't make the lawyer; the lawyer makes the blog. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've I've become a better lawyer because of the blog, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm more up to date on the developments. I can write better in, in a language that my clients understand. They don't care about a case site. They care what it means to them. Right. And when you start thinking that way and thinking, uh, and the blog helps you think that way, then you're a better lawyer, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, those are the, those are the tools you want and they don't teach them well in law school. No. So, uh, you know, in law school, you have to summarize a case and the case site and the citation is important and you got to get the blue book right. It doesn't care about that. Right. You won't really find many, you won't find any case sites on my blog um, because clients don't care about that. If they want it, they'll click a link and, you know, maybe they'll read it, but they want to know what it, what it's about. And so I always sort of laugh when I see law firms summarizing cases with, you know, in the seventh circuit and on this date, you know, set like no one cares. They want to know what this means for them. Right. Um, and that's, even worse I is when what they the... drop footnotes in their blog posts, but 
<laughs> God help me if I ever do a, a footnote in a blog post. That's the time I hang it up. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, I, but you came from a journalism background, as you said, or uh, you at least been a journalist in, journalist in college. So that writing part must have been fairly easy for you to pick up early on, or, or, or was it not? Did you have to learn a different style? You do. I mean, it, it. I had been a sort of out of favor. I think I, I uh, at that point, I'd been out of law school 10 plus years. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't writing on a normal basis. And you're writing like a lawyer, writing briefs right. and everything right. else. So uh, I look back on my early posts and, you know, they're not awful, but they're not um, they're not the way that they are now. I, I it definitely took six months, a year to find my voice. Um, we talk about that a lot, I know, which is fi finding your voice, that authentic self mm -hmm. that you can display. That doesn't, you know, it's not giving out all the, the cards. You're not opening yourself up in a book, but you're um, you're displaying enough of yourself that people understand, oh, this this is from Dan. This is what he, um, he thinks. Uh, and so, it, you know, I, I've certainly gotten better over time. Uh, through that and, you know, ha had the opportunity to change law firms. I'm now at, you know, a firm I love uh, with people I love working with who, you know, support me. Uh, I support them. Um, you know, all and I, I view the, the blog as one of those pivoting points where um, I took a little bit more control over my career rather than rather than waiting for something to happen. Yeah. Is the blog yours or is it the firm's? It is mine, um, which, you know, I think I'm um, one of the, the fewer bloggers remaining who has done it on their own. Um, and, you know, part of that was sort of lucking into it. Part of that was a discussion I had with my firm at the time where they said, no, you you do it. We, we don't want any part of, of the blog. I think, you know, every law firm has realized the value that blogs uh, can be. And and look, my firm now, uh, Shipman and Goodwin, has a very uh, useful employment law blog that I contribute to called the employmentlawletter.com uh, and, uh, you know, put on with Lexblog. Uh, and and that, that has its purpose too. It doesn't not, um, doesn't have to be just from me, but uh, you know, I, I think there's room for both in the universe. Yeah. yeah but the, so that there's never been any portability issues with regard to your blog as you've moved from one firm to another, uh, it, it goes with you. It, it, it does. Uh, I, uh, owned the, um, website name. I made very clear about that. The contracts have, have all been through me, uh, and that has made things clear. And, Look, uh, you know, when I joined Shipman and Goodwin, they could not have been nicer about, hey, you, you can keep with your blog. And, you know, um, uh, that's I'm very fortunate to be able to um, to still do that. Yeah. So as you mentioned earlier, you've been very busy uh, during the course of this pandemic, and I'm sure you were a, a pretty busy person well before the pandemic. How do you maintain a schedule around blogging? How do you find time for blogging? How do you keep up with the legal issues that you need to keep up with? So, um, yeah, it's been it's been interesting. Uh, you know, I think there was probably a time middle to late last year where 
writing wasn't coming as easily on the blog. I was just not finding enough topics to uh, to really interest me. And I think I write when I'm interested or when I think that there's something important to say. Uh, and, and I recall back, you know, uh, last year sort of going, ah, you know, is this is this approaching the time when it's time to, to stop? Right. Did, did I finally reach that point where I've run out of things to talk about? Uh, and boy, was I wrong, uh, <laughs> because, you know, during this pandemic, particularly early on, it was developments every day. And I was very, what I realized is I was very lucky to have a platform that people already knew about that trusted, that wanted to hear from me. And I knew that, and I knew how important it was for them. And I knew how important it was to get it right. Uh, Not necessarily to be first, but to be right. And I think um, if there's anything I've sort of learned over writing the blog, Early on, I was trying to break news. I was trying to be the first to mm-hmm. do it. You, you can't do that anymore. There's there's far too much. There's far too many professionals who who are doing that. And instead, and and so I I sort of switched right, which is instead of trying to break the news, I try to add the context and the analysis and the thought behind it. Uh, and the pandemic has given given that even more of an emphasis, which is, okay, here's the news you need to know. You may have read the headlines, but um, here's what it means for you. And that um, that has never been more more true than now because there are no, there, there there is no playbook for this. No one no one had lived through this before. I I did my earliest post on this, uh, you know, which I was very very early in the pandemic. I think I was second or third on the Lex blog platform to talk about the pandemic yeah. at the time. But you know, I was basing some of that off the H one N one swine flu that I had written about eleven or twelve years ago. So I had a post previously done and I was sort of using some of that but boy have we gone you know in a uh, in a different direction uh, yeah. about that idea. yeah yeah I mean it was interesting in the early days of the pandemic also and, and I don't know if you felt this but I, I felt that blogging was my small way of being able to do something and it, when the world's going to you know hell in a handbasket and, and you don't just don't know what to do blogging is 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 some small way a, a contribution to that it, it feels like yeah. For for sure, uh, I think the blogging is an outlet and a creative outlet of of trying to communicate with people. I think those early days, we really locked down uh, at my house, and um, it, it was a way to to reach out to people. And so I heard from people I hadn't heard from in a long time, in part because of the blog, in part because of the the need, as 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 I know other people did. You started hearing from relatives you hadn't heard from as well. But I, I think the blog has has served that purpose in my life um, as well. When um, when we were going through some some tough times with an illness in the family, you know, I I I use the blog to talk about those issues, um, to talk about, you know, what do you do when, when you have an employee who, uh, whose spouse may have cancer, um, and speak about that on the personal interest. And I suppose it shouldn't be a surprise, but it still was. Those were the posts I got the most interest from. 
Anytime I disclosed any personal part, um, I'd see a spike not only on on the blog, but on you know when I would cross post it on LinkedIn uh, as well. And that's been been a uh, a learning exercise, which is if you give a little on your personality. I think um, clients and readers really um, respect that. Yeah, have there ever been posts that you feel had a had a particular impact or that drew a particular response? Other than those kind of personal ones, have you ever felt like you maybe touched on touched on a, a, a sore spot or or a policy issue or something like that that elicited a response? I've had very um, interesting stories, and I'll touch on two. One is. I um, had actually read some legislation that was getting put up at the last minute. And there was a piece in there that was a big, um, <laughs> big red herring to anyone who read it. But you wouldn't, it wouldn't, wasn't self-obvious, right? It was like on page like 900 on a, you know, a 1200 page bill. And I posted on it. And within a half hour, I got a call from a legislative aide who goes, wow, we didn't know that was in there. Um, and can you, uh, what do you, what else do you know more about it? And so as a result of that, like legislation happened. And that's, that's not the only time that that has happened with the legislature. So that's one on a, on a positive side, which is, really adding value and showing, you know, people are reading this uh, and, and I need to be, be cautious and mindful. And when I mm -hmm. hit, hit publish, it, it, you know, it can have a big impact. Um, by the same token, I also remember early on writing about a case uh, with a verdict that went against a plaintiff and the plaintiff showing up one day at my law office, wearing all black, asking to speak with me. Um, that was a sort of flip side of it, it all's well and, 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 you know, just wanted to talk about the post, but I, it, it made me think about and remind me that cases are people, you know, have people behind them. Mm. Uh, and I never want to attack a person. And I, and I didn't in that instance, but it reminded me to be very mindful of that. And, frankly, made me pick and choose the cases I reported on. I try not to report necessarily on a pro se case that might make someone angry. It doesn't, it doesn't add any value other than perhaps someone getting a humorous kick uh, out of it. But, you know, behind that case is a person going through struggles. Uh, and, you know, a blog can sometimes put publicity on a person who may not necessarily want it. So, uh, I've been been much more cautious in the posts that I do over time. Yeah, those are good lessons, and it's important to remember that you don't know who's reading your blog, uh, and and you need to be mindful of of the fact that uh, people you least expect uh, may may well be reading your blog and and uh, using those words uh, either either for or against you at some point later, depending on, on what you say. <laughs> You know, those are um, the, the words you said now remind me of a conversation I had before I started the blog, which is, well, you never know, you know, an opposing counsel can read what you've written and quote them later on. Right. And, and, and I think to, to, it, it, that's largely overblown, but yeah. it's still a reminder that uh, what you write on the Internet remains there forever. 
And, uh, you know, I have had one instance where I wrote about a case and it was just a neutral case. And years later, that uh, defendant became a client of mine. And I'm like, boy, did I did I say anything then? Do I need to take it down? So, um, you know, you you never know. Yeah. (laughs) Life life has a way of of coming back in circles. Yeah. And I mean, it can be, it generally is a positive thing and it's a good thing, I think. But I, I mean, I've had a couple of instances in my own life where I've, uh, I, I tend I, I blog about legal technology and I feel like I'm sort of speaking to a very specific audience of people who care about legal technology. And I often don't associate that audience at all with my law practice and then my day job work. It seems like two different worlds. And then when those worlds in, you know clash sometimes, I mean, I was I was uh, testifying at the legislature last year on a matter when the the chair the chairperson of the committee you know invited me up to testify and her first words to me were uh, I love your blog I read your blog all the time and it just it was disconcerting to me because it was like I was not expecting that and uh, it, it almost threw me off a little bit as I as I went on to talk about issues totally unrelated to my blog. But, yeah, I used to just think in the, my early days, I was grateful if my mom and my mother-in-law uh, were, were reading my blog. And I sort of imagined like that was just the audience and whatever yeah. else was was fine. But over time, I realized, geez, you know, uh, I, there, there are far more people who, who look at this than I uh, uh, sometimes like to think about. Yeah. Uh, what did you do in those early days to build up an audience? And what are you doing now, if anything, to to maintain or, or further expand your audience? You know, in the early days, I reached out to some other bloggers and, you know, I did get guest posts, which were a little bit more common then. I mean, Twitter was not was was not really a thing back back then. I mean, it right. was within within a year, but not to the same extent. And early on in Twitter, it was sort of reaching out to people with common interests. It was far more communication, as you know, you know, interaction with people. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, to, to build an audience, I would, you know, send clients or contacts links uh, to posts. Uh, I was grateful early on. Walter Olson, who did the Overlawyered blog, had me do a, uh, a, a you know, some guest posts for a few days. Uh, I ended up getting a post within the first year on wrestling, pro wrestling, go viral. Um, and, you know, I had like 70,000 hits in one day. It was like, where did that come from? Now, I'm not saying all my audience became, was pro wrestlers, but, uh, you know, it built up. And I think over time, uh, you know, became one of those resources. I have to say, if I knew the answer to that, though, <laughs> I'd be able to market it. I've never once paid for SEO. I've right. never once paid for an ad. Um, I probably look at my statistics once every six to 12 months because I'm more curious than anything else. Yeah. Um, and I've often been told from from good people that, you know, there's a way to monetize this. There's a way to increase my SEO. I'm falling off now. I don't really care anymore. You know, I, I, I've gotten what I want from it. I try to blog, you know two times a week now. Uh, early on, I would try to blog four or five times a week, but now it's uh, maintaining it and I write what I what I want to write on. Uh, right. And if I'm not interested in it, uh, you know, there, there's enough resources out there on the internet. Someone's going to uh, 
someone can talk about a arcane tax code. I don't need yeah. to. Yeah. Well, um, you, you, you've earned that position and, uh, and there's no reason to do anything other than what you want to do right now. Uh, that's the great thing about, uh, becoming an established blogger. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's been grateful. And, and I think the, the other thing that I've sort of learned and done is there's a, there is still a great community of people out there who are writing other lawyers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'll say yesterday, even I had a question for someone out West and, you know, I sent it to a person who does a legal uh, blog and, and podcast out there of the question. Uh, so, you know, again, the, the blog provides an opportunity, but you have to make an effort to foster those relationships. And some of my, you know, I, I would say dearest friends right now are people who are fellow bloggers. Um, and, you know, have I, I think I've met a few of them in person uh, when I've <laughs> seen them at a, at a conference or we've overlapped. But those relationships are just as real as, as the, Absolutely. Um, the people I've seen at my office. Yeah. So, Dan, what, uh, what advice would you have for somebody uh, at this point thinking about starting a blog or maybe just in the early days of, of launching a blog? Uh, what, what would you uh, tell them? I suppose a few things. One is if you don't like to write, do something else. Because it's never going to get easier um, to write if you don't like writing in some way or another. Right. Um, if you're writing for SEO, if you're writing for hits, fine. Go go find those keywords and um, you know go go make a uh, go do it. And and I and that is to take nothing away from those that have figured out how to use Google to their advantage. I I actually am most impressed by that because I think keeping track of analytics and everything else is a huge undertaking. And I applaud those who, who have figured it out. Um, and I think the, the other key parts of the blog is find your voice as we've talked about, be authentic um, and write like you're talking to your neighbor, not uh, your um <laughs> not lecturing to to someone. Uh, and I have a wonderful next door neighbor who is a little kooky who who design game who he designs games and toys. Right? Think of like um, Back to the Future and the doc from uh, from the Back to the Future. Like that's my next door neighbor. And I think of him all the time when I'm writing that blogger or my late mother-in-law, like, how can I explain this in a way it's not condescending to them, but it's a way to make it interesting and, and helpful to them. If you keep that in mind, you won't get it right all the time, but you'll get it right. At least hopefully the majority of the time. Yeah. And, and, and that means having a good sense of who your audience is so that you can do that. And uh, that sometimes that's the hard part is even just figuring out exactly who your audience is. But uh, you've sounds like you've known from the beginning. Yeah, I kind of knew who I wanted to target, which was the, you know, midsize uh, companies that maybe they had a lawyer in house, maybe they didn't, but uh, they wanted um, wanted some employment advice. And there was no one at the time who was 
who's really doing that. Um, so where else were, were you going to find it? And, you know, look, over time, I've seen employment lawyers try and start blogs in Connecticut um, only to have them fade because it's not easy. Um, it takes time. It takes patience. And um, you, you can't expect results overnight. But there's still a market for good look good lawyers who can talk to potential clients in a way that they will find useful. Um, and I would add, not only that, but with LinkedIn and with Facebook and Twitter and all these other social media platforms, it's far easier to get your message out than it was 13 years ago. So if I had one more tip I'd give to people, it's um, use the blog as a sort of home base, but use it to um, use the social media sites to amplify that voice. So just like this interview is going out on multiple platforms, uh, you will see something on my blog probably on it, but you'll also see something on LinkedIn that's maybe a, a shorter version of it. And then on Facebook, a little even shorter, and then maybe a couple of tweets about it. And who knows, maybe I'll put a picture up on Instagram about it uh, as well. So that, uh, that availability of social media is uh, is a way to break through the the mess that uh, you couldn't do, you know, a decade ago. Good advice. When you were talking about the early days of your blog, I was remembering blog rolls and how people would all try and get listed on each other's blog roll on the side of their and you, and you could pretty much list all the legal blogs in the world on one, uh, you know, on one uh, uh, right hand column on, on somebody's blog. Uh, and <laughs> I, I, I was grateful when the ABA Journal, you know, would list me in their blog rolls. And, yeah. and you know, I do remember that was a key part also of LexBlog's platform. Hey, can we use your your blog and we'll we'll put your blog up on other people's blog and they'll put theirs on yours and we'll we'll build it then. Um, and uh, comments were really big. I, I don't even know the last time I had a comment on my blog because right. you know now people will comment on Twitter, Twitter, right. or, uh, yeah. or something else. So comments which were big in the blog early days far, far, um, almost minuscule now. Yeah. Well, Dan, we need to wrap it up, but any, uh, any last thoughts you want to share? Any, any closing ideas about blogging that we haven't talked about? No, I think, um, I, the only thing I'd say is, uh, I, you know, I think you, you have to keep your, your head about you. Um, and just, I, I have always said, just because Google thinks I'm a better lawyer, it doesn't mean that I am. And I think uh, being mindful of your weaknesses, trying to get better, you know, those are obviously life lessons, but they're, they're true on, on legal blogs too, which is um, be, be the person who you would want to hire, that you would want to hear from. Uh, and hopefully good things will all happen. And if not, if the blog doesn't work out, you know, do something else. Uh, you know, if I had the time now, a podcast might be something I'd, I'd try or, um, you know, using Instagram as a platform for a, you know, a solo who's trying to really focus on their town. You could see Instagram, someone who could take pictures of things going around town and showing they're a part of that community. That's a huge uh, way of getting that across. So um, I think, um, you know, be, be mindful of who you are and your limitations. Um, and 
you know, um, I'm always happy to provide a, a lending hand. I, I never forgot the people who uh, uh, were kind enough to speak to me when I was thinking about doing the blog. So I'm always happy to uh, chat for a few minutes uh, about it as well. Great. Well, the blog is the Connecticut Employment Law blog, and we've been talking with Dan Schwartz, the uh, who's been writing that since 2007, uh, a, lot, a long time now. Uh, good to see you, Dan, and uh, hope you stay well, and uh, hope you hope your practice slows down enough so you can get a little, little breather in, maybe a little bit of a vacation at some point. At some point, a vacation uh, on a plane, uh, somewhere warm would be uh would be a good thing until then my my partners at shipment and goodwin and i'll keep chugging along keep chugging along great uh well that does it for uh, this week's edition of this week in legal blogging uh we will be back next week our guest next week is peter Mahler, the uh author of the new york business divorce blog and we will be back again uh Next Thursday, uh, noon Pacific, 3 Eastern time. Find us here. I uh, hope you'll tune in then. On behalf of everybody at Lex Blog, this is Bob Ambrogi. Thanks for watching and listening.